Hello, welcome to the Creative Writing Life podcast. I'm Justin Sloan. And I'm Paul Zeidman. And today our special guests are, are you guys like the co-creators, the founders, co-creators of its macroverse.com, Adam Martin and Evan Matthews. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. Welcome. Hello. Very happy to be here. Thanks for having us here. All right. Fantastic. Uh, Well, as regular listeners of the show, uh, we usually start things off uh, something we may have read or watched in the recent past, uh, whether it was it good, was it bad, was it eh? So uh, we'll get things started. Uh, Mr. Sloan, take it away. Uh, we had one of these recently, and so I might have used up. Let's see. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to think. I don't got anything off the top of my head. Dang it. No, that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. Uh, I've been seeing it all over the internet, so I decided to repay a visit. It is the 40th anniversary of the release of Return of the Jedi. Uh, so I actually I already own it, So, but even though it's on Disney+, Plus, so I started watching it. The special effects... You know, you can tell they're about 40 years old, but the storytelling and the characters and the acting, it all still holds up. And it's just a lot of fun. You know, it takes me back to, you know, early teenage me and yeah. you know, going to the local multiplex and just, uh, you know, just soaking it all in. It was a lot of fun. And, you know, it, it's one of those movies that, you know, you never get tired of watching it. And you can't go wrong with the job of the hut sequences. So yeah, that's, <laughs> that's what I'll say. I'm, yeah. I'm in that semi-small cohort that, is uh finds return of the jedi to be my favorite of the original trilogy as well while wow. i while i appreciate empire as the better movie there's something about jedi that just uh has that, uh-huh. has that special uh-huh. place for me yeah ewoks notwithstanding i will say that ewoks notwithstanding <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll go with you on that as well sure. um, if we can I, I'll, I'll, I just saw two things so i just saw uh mario with my kids and have to say that that did everything i wanted it to do as a you know kind of someone that would pause the original nintendo on my way to school because it wouldn't save to be able to come <laughs> home and be playing uh mario touched every bit of nostalgia that i could have hoped for and just absolutely loved it um and then also just finished uh better call saul which uh, i think you know everything that comes from the breaking bad universe has been among my favorite things ever created and they did not disappoint so i thought it, it ended perfectly as far as i was concerned very nice amazing um it's funny because i actually very late to the game uh just finished breaking bad um and and now we've then watched el camino as well uh and we're going my family and i going through starting kind of uh better call Saul. and it has to be said breaking bad having i don't know why you kind of ignored it for a while it uh it was just incredible it lived up to everything i thought like arguably some of the best television or arguably, arguably one of the best tv shows ever and then for more current stuff i'm addicted to both succession and barry i mm. just yeah. those two are hbo i mean hbo frankly this whole year with the last of us before that is just it's hit one out of it's hit hit one out of the park after another it's just been amazing so yeah i gotta throw one other thing in there which will maybe give us a segue into you know what we're doing at macroverse because a lot of what we do is kind of short form oriented in different ways um but i just saw the first two episodes of this latest season of star wars visions which is just (laughs) now on (laughs) disney plus i loved the first season which is you know initially the first season was all uh anime directors most you know from japan the kind of their take on the star wars universe this second season they've opened it up to animation studios all over the world um and the first two episodes i thought were absolutely fantastic and ties into something that i've been really enthusiastic about in the world of animation which is 
people bringing really fresh visual styles to 3D animation in particular. I think Spider-Verse really kicked that off in mm -hmm. a massive way. And now we're seeing lots of interesting stylistic approaches to using you know, 3D animation, but then adding painted textures and, you know, all kinds of new interpretations of what can you actually do in that style. And it's, it's fantastic. So, yeah, very... that, that, that is definitely, uh, that's in my, I want to get to that soon queue. And I yeah. think the one that I'm very tempted to watch all of them, except the one from Ardman animation and save that for last kind of like, <laughs> as like this, this is the, this is your cleanup yeah. batter. This yeah. is the one that you yeah. have to do last. Cause you know, it's not going to get any better than that. Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we'll, exactly. see, we'll see how that yeah. goes. Yeah. Well, I found mine, by the way. I remember. <laughs> I actually just posted about it. I actually just posted about it today, like an hour ago. So it should have been on the top of my head. But uh, I've been reading the hell out of a webtoon called Unordinary. Have you guys mm. read that? I have not read that. that. So good. I recommend. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's great. It's uh, it's it's webtoons a Korean company, and this is a Korean creator yeah. who made this one. But um, I got my son on it, who's eight, and he read. We were already like 100 episodes in, and then he surpassed us. I read all 300 within like two weeks or something crazy. Wow. And then uh, I've been reading it to my five-year-old daughter. She's been enjoying it as well. And so that's awesome. Uh, but also nice. appropriate for adults. So yeah, yeah. one of those four quadrant great ones. Excellent. Very cool. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, yes, very familiar with Webtoon, but haven't bumped into that yet. So okay. We'll so, okay. So gentlemen, please uh, tell us a little bit about each of yourselves, and then we'll get into how you connected and that how, how that led to the development of Macroverse. Whoever wants to go first. Adam, go for it. <laughs> All right, I'll dive in. Um, so yeah, so uh, been out in LA working in physical production for 20, almost 20, well, 25 years now, actually, 26, good God. Um, working as an assistant director, so just work my way up and, you know, uh, lots of lots of different shows, lots of stuff. Um, first AD now for 12, 15 years. Um, lots of television, lots of, I mean, Barry, I mentioned earlier, but, you know, this kind of was, did season three of that. Dave, a lot of great comedy, a lot of great, just great shows with great people. And loved, always loved being on set and making stuff and realizing that at some point uh, I was always going to be making stuff for other people and aspired to do more than that and aspired to kind of write and create for myself. And I think knowing the, you know, even Evan can talk a bit more about this as well. So we met 20, 20 years ago or something now and started kind of working together and writing together and and we you know wrote a few scripts and we got some stuff optioned and we did some you know kind of you know signed with agencies and we did we kind of had some success in that realm but we also realized you know 99 times out of 100 maybe 98 you sell a script and it ends up on the shelf or in someone's hard drive it doesn't not it doesn't live beyond the printed thing on the page and having grown up with comics and the love of comics and collecting those you know, Edmund can speak more to kind of what brought us back into that world, but it was like, oh, wait, we can do these these ideas that we love and we think are really cool, as opposed to just writing a script and they sit there, we can actually produce them in this way that'll get them out in the world and get them seen by people and get them hopefully enjoyed by people. And that might actually propel them better than just the script back into the world of film and television. So we felt like it was this kind of way of developing our ideas that would... Uh, would yeah bring them up help them breathe and then give them a better chance kind of coming back around and so that was what kind of led us back into comics very directly led us to starting macroverse um, and then kind of ran into the whole web3 part of that a couple of years ago and have kind of kept in that direction so yeah yeah 
Very good. Um, yeah, so I'll just add a couple of things to that. I mean, for me, the the I, I kind of look at my career as kind of three chapters at this point. So chapter one is at a branding and media agency for a decade out of our school. I have an illustration degree initially, uh, recruited some of my professors to start that company. And then we ended up in the kind of sweet spot in what people may call web one, uh, where, you know, it's kind of the early days of the internet. We were in the kind of um, high-end interactive flash animation piece of all of that, making lots of kind of cool websites for lots of cool companies. Um, and then that led to what I now consider kind of my superpower, which is someone comes to me and says, hey, do you know how to do X, Y, or Z? And I go, of course, do that every day. <laughs> and then get off the call and go like, okay, who do we need? How do we do this? What do I need to learn? Who do I need to hire? So, you know, I've gotten very good over the course of my career of like finding the right people, putting these puzzles together to be able to solve creative problems. Um, and as Adam and I have gotten to work together over the past 20 plus years, we've got very good at doing that together. <laughs> and so, you know, as that kind of first chapter was making mostly branding, marketing, advertising, you know, that led into some animation and children's books and you know, a little bit of content creation. But also kind of at my core, I've been collecting and reading comics since I was six. I learned to read from comics. You know, it's like my, you know, really my the, the love of my life. I thought I was going to grow up to draw comics. That was gonna be my first, you know, ambition. And then uh, kind of getting into the comics industry, going to those early conventions. I did do a little bit of professional, you know, comics art early, early in my career as well. And then kind of moved away from the industry, you know, kept collecting as a fan, but kind of got into doing other things. But that core desire to create my own characters, to create my own content, you know, never went away. And so as Adam and I met and became friends, and we started to, you know, I, I think there's, it's important to kind of put this in time. We're in a post 90s indie film revolution as well. So as we became friends, you know, the reality of someone like a Kevin Smith or a Robert Rodriguez or a Quentin Tarantino being able to kind of come out of nowhere with a great script and become a famous, you know, film director, we we're like, we'll just do that. Um, <laughs> so that's, you know, kind of the, the background for writing those first scripts together. And being fortunate to get that little early taste of success where people responded well to them and we had a couple things optioned and landed at CAA for a minute and did the water bottle tour of LA pitching lots of things and then kind of found our way into the video game world through a, a series of events writing uh, our first video game project was writing more than the equivalent of a feature film, you know, for this console game that we got uh, actually invited to come in and create all the narrative content for so not just writing the scripts but also figuring out an animation pipeline and you know how to produce all of these uh cut scenes you know for this game so that led us actually to the third co-founder of macroverse who's not with us today but ricky ricavina who has been 25 years in the games industry and that was you know this first project that we did in games was meeting him and then, you know, I always like to kind of say, like, you know, you sometimes meet those people where you're like, don't know exactly what we're going to end up doing together, but I feel like there could be something here. So let's stay in touch. And so after, you know, years of kind of staying in touch, the final piece of the Macroverse puzzle is going from kind of first chapter of the career branding and media agency, second chapter of the career writing, directing and producing mostly kind of new media gaming, you know, a little bit of, of other stuff in the general kind of film TV animation world. Um, and mostly Adam and I doing that together at that point. 
Um, and then the third chapter is now Macroverse. And the final piece of that is I produced a graphic novel series for a movie called The Boondock Saints, um, which is one of those kind of 90s cult classic films. <laughs> right. Um, and so as they were getting ready to do the sequel, I got, you know, I was able to kind of go, okay, this should be a comic series. We pitched that to the director, ended up working with Sony, putting all that together. And the cool thing about that is with that kind of say yes and figure it out mentality, it was like, yes, I can find the publisher and get distribution and, you know, figure out convention circuits and, you know, all that. And we did. And so we had this incredible experience, you know, it took about a year to create that project and put it out, you know, traditionally through comic stores, working with Barnes and Noble for bookstore distribution and, you know, all those different things. And then we came out of that, you know, Adam and I together going, you know, we've got these other ideas, one of them very directly a TV pilot that, you know, looked like it was going to go forward and then literally got killed by The Walking Dead, which is a whole story in and of itself. Um, but, you know, we said, let's take that TV show, repurpose it as a comic series off the back of the success that we've had with the Boondock Saints series and, you know, make it in comic form, which, we, you know, you're also seeing comics and the rest of entertainment becoming so fully intertwined at that time. So it just seemed like a natural next step for us to be able to create our own material, create our own content. And the weird thing that I think, I don't know how many people would have added this on top of all of that was for us to take a step back and go, you know, we could put this out traditionally in comic book stores and kind of go this traditional route. We had a publishing arrangement at that point, but we're not going to do that. We're going to take on everything that we've now seen is wrong with the comics industry. <laughs> and so we took a step back and we like, you know, we, we, we wanted to kind of right size a couple of things. One is we found a lot of inequity between kind of what people were being paid and what people, you know, especially independent creators were able to kind of make off of the back of their, you know, hard, uh, hard earned material. And, you know, the kind of challenges around that, especially for independent creators. And then number two is we felt like with independent material, the indie comics world, you know, kind of along those same lines, very challenging to, you know, make that something that's going to pay the bills and keep everything, you know, kind of mm -hmm. going. And so what we looked at was at that time, especially, there was Comixology for digital, which was kind of putting a PDF on an iPad. And then there was the very beginning of what Webtoons was at that point. So those are kind of your two digital options for comics. And we didn't think either of them were very good. And so being insane people, we were like, we will solve this for everyone. <laughs> and so it took us about two years, but that's where Macroverse came from is that desire to create our own material, and deliver it in a way that we thought number one would be better for us and then number two by extension could be better for the whole comics industry and i'll pause there <laughs> sure sure no no i was about to ask like why did you decide to go i guess in a more digital approach rather yeah. than the, the traditional you know brick and mortar uh, comic yeah. stores and that kind of distribution so you kind of answer that but i yeah. did have a, i did have a question that uh, i think both of you alluded to was that you uh you pitch macroverse as being part of web3 could you kind of explain that, in, I guess, for, for someone like me, a layman who is like, okay, what I, I, I mean, I've heard of Internet 2.0, but what, what is Web3? Indeed. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, Web3 is simply, I mean, where the way we approach it, it is adding kind of true digital collectability to true collectability to the digital experience. So we went digital having seen, having kind of had the experience with Boondock Saints, 
and you know done the conventions and had the had the fun of the you know going and draw, you know Troy Duffy and pre Walking Dead Norman Reedus and Sean Patrick Flannery and like being with a kind of established brand that had a real fan base and people showed up to see it it was still a pain in the neck to get that book into the right places, into the stores, get people looked at it, get, you know, and we're like, well, hang on a second. This is still, there's this bottleneck around this distribution pipeline. Digital is, we felt like is clearly the future. We don't quite know what it looks like, but that's the way everything is going. So let's focus on that. And then when we ran into the kind of, you know, digital collectability and FTs and blockchain and these additional things that added this element of collectability to the digital side of things, we felt like, wait, this is a perfect meeting of these minds. You get the distribution, the kind of Netflix, anyone anywhere in the world can can read our stuff. And for some people who are the kind of fans, super fans, whatever that is, you can then add this collectability part of it as well. And so that, that made sense. And that was what kind of led us into the Web3 direction. And I think that's what how we are referring to Web3 in this context. There's a community fandom component to it also, which pretty, gets interesting and exciting because, you know, like to me, I'm like, I can't help but obviously kind of look at it through my own lens. But it's like the two things there that were immediately appealing is I do have my 25 long boxes of comics that I've collected over the years. And so while it's interestingly, I want less physical stuff in my life at this point, I'm much more interested in, in you know, having more digital experiences for the most part, you know, with, with few exceptions. Um, you know, I'm not buying Blu-rays anymore. I'm definitely watching everything through, you know, streaming services and, you know, those sorts of things. And, and yet there are certain things like I have a, you know, Criterion collection of the Seven Samurai, where if I could get a really amazing digital collectible version of that that I could actually own and have the same feeling of collecting, owning, connecting to something that I love in a digital format, I would not care about having the physical version anymore. It's like, it's just taking up space. <laughs> um, so that was part of it, was just the ability to bring this feeling of ownership you know, to the digital experience. And then the second piece of it as a fan is what we've pioneered in the last 18 months while we've been building this additional piece of our platform with this kind of more Web3 collectible component to it is that we also started to recognize that the people that engage in this ecosystem, they have a kind of elevated level of not just attachment, but you're now able to give them an elevated level of, you know, governance, control, ownership, you know, kind of something to say about this material in a way that, you know, you might have just been writing fan fiction on the internet, you know, previously. And so we've been able to take, you know, certain people in our community who have collected, you know, let's say characters in some of these universes that we've built and allow them to come in with those characters and create short stories inside of this universe. And then we can take our team and say, okay, great, let's recognize this as canonical actually produce it, make it a real thing, sell it through our platform, then share and distribute revenue back to those original community members that, you know, help to create that content. So it creates this really interesting loop with the community as fans being able to then become creators and participants in the growth of these franchises um, over the long term. And I'll, I'll put a button on that by saying it's like, you know, I think that it's fascinating to kind of look at two things. One is, you know, Rob Liefeld owning Deadpool. So, you know, Marvel, when they adjusted their character contracts in the late 80s, early 90s, 
you know, someone that created a character gets a small percentage of participation in every version of the exploitation of that character. And so for a character like Deadpool, which came out of nowhere to now be a multi-billion dollar franchise, it's very meaningful for the you know creator of that character. And then secondarily, we like to kind of talk about, you know, look at Boba Fett, going back to Star Wars, Boba Fett, very cool, but essentially meaningless character in Empire Strikes Back, all of a sudden has become a massive part of the Star Wars franchise and led into the Mandalorian, his own show, like, you know, all that stuff. So the opportunity to be someone that could actually own that type of, you know, that piece of this larger franchise is really only possible in this kind of Web3 context. Um, and so I think that's all become, you know, really interesting and a way to kind of look at how do you build these kind of next generation entertainment franchises from the bottom up. Okay. Now that we've, now we've kind of entered the digital realm and the use of the phrase NFT, that is definitely Justin's, uh, uh, forte. So I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to toss it over to him now. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, really cool stuff. Um, so I'm curious. So on the website itself, what are the NFTs? Are, is each comic, each episode? an nft or do you buy into the brand or do you buy something else and then you get access the to the comics how does that work so we like two points of of clarification and then adam you should give your kind of take on this too but i think you know it's important to say we started pre-web3 pre-nft so we launched a mobile app traditionally before we even heard the word nft um and you know we had about 100 creators that we worked with put out about 500 episodes of content that app is still live on ios and android we're still adding new content to it so a big part of our thesis around all this is not that everything has to be an nft or not everything has to be blockchain backed but there's an ecosystem and what i call this kind of spectrum of participation that people can move around and in between so there's always going to be the probably largest percentage of the audience who's just like, give me great content. I just want mm-hmm. access to great content. And that's where kind of the, the web two component of this, which is a traditional subscription service, you know, kind of comes in. Okay. And then you go to the other side of the spectrum, which are these digital collectible NFT editions. And we've mm-hmm. created, we've actually invented a new type of technology around this where the all of the content is packaged in the NFT itself so when you buy these high-end kind of digital collectible editions it's mm-hmm. like that criterion collection experience it's like you know the um the, the hardcover omnibus version of your favorite graphic novel so it's that piece which is the kind of digital collectible version of these series it's not individual episodes we would encourage you to go read those mm-hmm. on the mobile app but the things cool. that you love you can buy essentially the full graphic novel experience in this unique digital format that you can buy, sell, trade, and you know own uh, in that context. Um, and then the final piece to just clarify for anyone listening is that we've been building this Web3 extension of our platform for the last 18 months or so, and we're getting very close now to release, but we're still in the final kind of bug testing phase right now. So our exact release date is you know sometime within this summer, but we don't have an exact date yet. So you know keep up with us on the website or in our Discord, and that will be coming very soon. Really cool. And it says 100 plus creators. So how are you finding creators for this and slash or how do creators get uh, access or accepted into the macroverse storytelling, everything? One of my favorite parts that Adam is going to talk about. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's amazing. And I think it's it's been it's honestly a combination of uh, 
people coming to us with great ideas. Um, we obviously generate a certain number ourselves. So, you know, so we kind of produce our own material and then it's finding, and I actually credit Evan with this. It's been, you know, going out and finding and going to the cons and looking online, just finding interesting creators, producing interesting stuff that hasn't kind of hit the, the mainstream yet, but is really, really cool and compelling and engaging and doing everything that you want from storytelling talking to them, bring them on, showing them what we're doing, signing them up and, and adapting their content for adapting whatever they've, you know, their stories are for, for distribution on our app. And then a certain kind of subset of those are interested in the web three and the collectability and that side of things. So it's like great as kind of an augmentation to whatever other digital distribution you're doing, whatever physical distribution you're doing, come over here. We've got this cool kind of universal app. And then there's this digital collectible side of things. Um, and then we're actually increasingly now, you know, we're, Evan and I were literally just talking this, we're just kind of starting to open up the gates to pretty much if you've got a series that you want to adapt for this, we will put it up on the app. We don't have the kind of Webtoons-like ability yet to just self-publish and go, but that's 100% where we're going. So we do kind of, you know, opening up these doors more and more and more for anyone that wants to, to produce, yeah. you know, a series in this uh, in this style. Yeah, it's a little like we're kind of going in stages where I like, you know, the, the thesis initially when we launched the app was if Webtoons is YouTube for comics, which I think it very much is, where's HBO? And that was kind of our initial thesis is, you know, super high, you know, super high bar for quality, very curated combination of our material and other you know kind of top tier creators material. Um, as Adam said, people that, you know, we think deserve to be seen by everyone, but maybe haven't been yet. Um, and so that was kind of the initial cohort of creators. We're heading towards kind of a phase two, which is a little almost almost like a studio relationship where we function as studio and distribution for a subset of essentially production companies that are then bringing their content onto the platform. And then phase three is this open permissionless opportunity for anyone to come and publish. But I think what's a little bit unique about going in those phases is it also allows us to keep these kind of different curation tiers so that we can set some parameters around yes everyone is welcome but we can have some real specific ways that people can kind of get you know for lack of a better word kind of promoted into the kind of higher level tiers as opposed yeah. to it being kind of youtube where it is just like everyone throw everything out there and hope <laughs> that it you know connects so that people find it yeah. um so yeah is it mostly, I imagine you creators. So like if a writer has ideas and stuff, they wouldn't come to you guys and say, let's do it. And then you guys help make it get made. It's more like they have to have the art and everything, right? Or no, it, it's all of it. Yeah. So mm -hmm. actually talk about um, Evan and Darkland because we're just about to wrap that up and it's a perfect example of, of this. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, very true. So yeah, we've got a series on the app uh, right now that yeah, last one comes out Sunday, I think it is. It's Sunday. like, it's, yeah. it's right there. 13 episode uh, series called Darkland. Uh, it's, kind of, you know, Game of Thrones set in hell, this black comedy set in hell. It's great. Um, and that actually came um, through, I can't remember how it was, but kind of mutual friend introduced us to this uh, producer, Evan Shapiro, who wanted... Got a you know, got a Peabody in the in the catalog was one of the EPs on Portlandia back in the day has like been around the industry for a long time, mm -hmm. and but you know as a producer had a bunch of kind of series that he had the rights to and so we met and we got along he's like yeah he loves comics let's let's explore kind of producing some of the stuff that I've got in that in 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 through your app in the style, and so we read 
two of them and they were fine but not great and then there was this third one called Darkland and the opening scene was this slightly kind of weird kind of dinner party and there are these people coming and they're eating stuff and you know and it's all a bit everything feels a bit off and then you pull back wide and you realize it's a bunch of demons and they're the kind of dish of the day is this person that they're just like chopping into and eating up and I read that and was like, I'm all in. That's fantastic. That's exactly <laughs> my sense of humor. I think other people would have been repulsed. Um, but I, we came back to Evan and said, look, well, these other two, not really, but Darkland is great. And we feel like you could do A, B, and C. And he goes, well, that's fun because that's actually a pilot that I wrote kind of five years ago that I've had kicking around that I didn't tell you was kind of mine. Um, and so we partnered with that and we found, you know, helped him kind of helped him through the script writing process, which is obviously a little bit different for, from comics to, to regular screenwriting, because you are kind of, yeah. I find at least you're bridging the gap between writer and director much more as a, as a comics writer, which I really enjoy, but it definitely takes a bit to get into. Um, the other thing with our app is because it is this kind of tap through process, you can actually do dialogue in a way that is unique. So you're not restricted by the amount of words on the kind of single printed page. So you can really have more of a conversation going, um, which is great. Um, and then, uh, but but it also makes it slightly easier to write for, I think, for kind of a traditional screenwriter. Um, and then we found a fantastic artist called Frank Calico, and we kind of worked with him to develop a slightly more kind of animated art style um, and you know, going back to the same pose and develop, we developed kind of an art process, uh, I would say for, for Darkland specifically. Yeah. Um, but that we then produced and we pay for the art and we kind of share the, you know, share the rights in the, on the series. And we'd like Evan said, finishing that up and we're looking to do kind of a print version of that later this year. And then obviously take, you know, kind of as that has gone, take that on and out uh, from there. So we do work with everyone you know, with if the idea is good enough and we feel like, oh, this is something really interesting, unique and different, and the creator is kind of cool and blah, 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 great. This is something we will absolutely produce. Uh, it's really one cool. of the things I dare say I think we've gotten very good at is the matchmaking piece of it. So that, you know, the mm -hmm. kind of, here's a writer with a great idea, finding the right artist for that and helping to produce that. Here's an artist with an incredible art style who maybe, you know, either needs a writer to help them with that idea or just is looking for something cool to work on, you know, being able to kind of bring those different pieces together, um, you know, is something that we've gotten very good at. And then we also have other teams which come to us and are like, here's our fully formed concept. Right. You know, do you guys want to do something with that? And it's either yes or let's talk about it maybe later or you know some depending yeah. on kind of where it's at so you know we have every every kind of range of that where it's fully finished and we're adapting it to the to the platform or we're starting from scratch and you know kind of fully developing it for the platform yeah. awesome cool and then the games and all that kind of stuff that can spin off of it that stuff's yeah. not happening yet it's like in the idea phase of what you'll go to or is that do you already have something in the works for how that'll all be adapted? Yeah, so there's there there are some elements that we've built into our uh, platform, into our ecosystem that are purpose built for gaming and other types of experiences that will come slightly down the road. So cool. we we're building everything kind of with this blueprint for how it all develops out into other media, but it is a, a slightly longer term play. Um, I think that, you know, it is worth saying that's where our third co-founder largely comes yeah. in. You know, he's very, he, he actually started in the film business as well, working on Jurassic Park and Schindler's List and those kinds of things at Amblin, but has now been 25 years in gaming, having, you know, 
being responsible for literally 100 million you know downloads of, of various games um so you know a lot of our work with him is kind of figuring out what do we need to build at this early stage so that we're not starting from scratch as we start to then go mm -hmm. into gaming and other media and kind of the same for film and television you know I, I this is this is my personal soapbox which i feel like more and more people are starting to kind of like step up onto with me which makes me very happy but yeah it's like we've been kind of taking this approach from very early on with our own material that it's not really about adapting the comic to the film or the comic to the tv show as much as it is building the story worlds that have a lot of room to play in mm -hmm. and so you know when you're like one of our our flagship series and actually the tv pilot that we started with is called dead town which is this you know kind of neo-noir um post-apocalyptic you know essentially uh touch of evil uh meets the last of us um you know kind of idea <laughs> So you're in this kind of black and white noir kind of zombie infested world, but really not about the zombies at all. It's about kind of the characters that have to live with this world that's kind of changed into something that, you know, we would have a hard time dealing with, which has a lot of room to talk about all kinds of different things kind of in that context. Um, but we started with, you know, here's this big world. We know what the five seasons of the TV show is. But that's not what the comic series is. And yet, you know, we, we know what the story of the game is. We know what the audio, you know, narrative, narrative audio edition, you know, series is. So it's like we have built out all these different components. So a big part of our way of working is kind of because we've been able to produce so many different types of content. And we kind of have an understanding of a lot of different mediums. We can then look at this kind of larger world and say, what's the piece of this story that's kind of uniquely suited to being a comic versus uniquely suited to being an audio series or a TV show or a game? And so it lets us kind of come through this lens of this much bigger franchise from the early days. And of course, things will evolve over time, but it's a different way of thinking than like, you know, what's the show? And then we'll turn that into a comic. Last one for me. I'll see if Paul has any wrap ups. Um... How are you thinking about the NFT side of it uh, to avoid this SEC issues and like people think of it as investments and treating it like investments? Yeah. Are you, is that something you're thinking about and care about? <laughs> I mean, we have to care about it because we intend <laughs> yeah. to be around for a very long time as a company. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, but Adam, you want to say anything about that? Yeah, no, I mean, you know, we are, so A, purely legally, yes, we are talking to lawyers and we're making sure that that we're, you know, I think one of the frustrations with the SEC right now is that it is this kind of moving target. And so you're trying to kind of, they're, they're constantly changing their tune slightly, which means you're constantly trying to kind of stay a step yeah. ahead, hopefully for these people that don't really know what this is. And and of course it, you know, when you've got the FTXs and the Sam Bankman-Frieds and these people doing all sorts of terrible, corrupt, awful things in this space, it tars everything with that brush. So we always want to be, you know, we want to kind of make sure that we are as scrupulous as possible with how we address things and how we deal with people. And we all, everyone knows who we are. Like we're not hiding any of this stuff. Um, with the kind of NFTs specifically, yes, what we're doing is if we are developing a series based around an idea or an NFT that you own or whatever, that is not, that NFT in and of itself, that, that digital collectible is not the security. We sign a separate agreement with you licensing that material back from you. So it is a traditional, you know, basically it is a traditional Hollywood licensing agreement that we sign for that character, for that story, for that whatever. 
it may be attached to an NFT, but the agreement itself is not inherent in that thing, if that makes sense. Yeah. So we kind of, that at least right now is how we have been advised to that circumvents any possible legal issues uh, yeah. in that space. And but I think it's, it's a very important. good question. This one we have to be very careful of. Yeah, no, <laughs> it, it is. And and we are we are making sure that we're crossing those I's or crossing those T's and dotting those I's. <laughs> but, you know, I think it's important to say, I think there's so much that this technology can enable for people in every industry and you know certainly media to you know is near and dear to our hearts is kind of what can actually be done here you know as someone you know adam as someone that's been working on film and television projects for 20 years you know he gets residuals on a bunch of those shows and when you look at the insanity of you know what quote-unquote hollywood accounting is and mm -hmm. even having some personal friends that have had to go and sue studios to you know get through the that hollywood accounting um, and come out the other side, the winners of those suits with, you know, in some cases, large settlements. Um, you know, it's like there are, that's just one example of where being able to really lean into this technology as a permissionless, open, you know, transparent ledger that, you know, allows people to instantly transact things um, is very powerful. And so, you know, the future that we're building towards is one where we can use these technologies to enhance the things that we already, you know, want to do and that other people want to do to solve problems in ways that eliminates, you know, frustrations, especially for creators that, you know, can then focus on making stuff as opposed to, you know, am I getting paid on time? Hmm. Um, and, you know, being able to kind of build this whole system that, allows creators to do the things they do, make the things that they want to make, connect with an audience that wants to participate in a way that they've never been able to before, and ultimately for everyone to be able to win together. And we really do believe that this is how the next generation of content will be created and consumed. And it's a little disruptive. We hope it's massively disruptive, um, but we do believe this is the future. It's, you know, looking at how do you build the next Star Wars a little bit through the lens of how people consume and play Roblox? And, you know, some of the things that have really taken off in certainly my kids' generation. And those are the next people that are both making and consuming, you know, the types of things that we all want to create. So I think it's important to kind of continue to kind of iterate and look through that lens and use these tools whether it's blockchain or AI, which is a whole other can of worms, but you know, to continue to understand kind of where these things are going, leaning into those things that can empower us and other people as creators, and you know, continuing to to kind of push that envelope. So, I mean, that's that's really at the core of what Macroverse is about: is making great stuff, but also you know, finding ways to do it in in a fashion that empowers the people that make it and those that want to participate in it. <laughs> awesome. Paul? Uh, yeah, I have uh, two final questions. Uh, you alluded to this before. So what if you are a creator and you want to send your materials to Macroverse? Uh, yeah. How does someone go about doing that? Very, very easy. So you, the, the best place to connect with us directly is in our Discord. So our, our community is in a Discord server. There's a lot of amazing people in there that have all come in over the, the stages of this project, um, which is discord.gg slash Macroverse. Um, so you can easily connect with Adam or I directly in the Discord. Uh, we're also both on Twitter. I'm more active on Twitter than Adam is, but yep. um, <laughs> at, at Ebonverse is a very easy uh, place to connect with me as well. 
And then if you just have a submission, like an actual direct submission for a comic series that you're interested in us taking a look at for the app, um, we do have an email uh, for that as well, which I think I know exactly what it is, but I'm just looking it up right now to make sure <laughs> that I give the, the right one. Um, so uh, yeah, submissions at macroverse.com is, is the right place to send, you know, if you've got a, especially a completed graphic novel or a webtoon series that's, you know, in progress that you might be interested in having on our app, um, you know, we're happy to take a look at any of that stuff. Okay. And this, and that. Sorry, oh, sure. Just, go ahead. While we're on there, is it exclusive? Like if you're on only web, if you're on webtoons and you're on this, do you have to be only on one or the other or? Not at all. Oh, no, not at all. In cool. fact, it's, it's one of the things that we really feel strongly about. Like, you know, we certainly don't mind exclusive content, but we don't think there's a downside to having a bigger audience. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, awesome. And so, you know, one of our creators where we actually are the, the exclusive digital home for is a guy named Jason Brubaker. Um, you know, Jason, I think is one of the most talented independent comics creators that there is. He was an anime, uh, he was a concept artist at DreamWorks on the Kung Fu Panda movies, hmm. has been able to you know move into a comics career where he's completely self-sustaining as an independent graphic novelist, which is relatively rare. His mm -hmm. work is amazing. Um, and, you know, we've developed this incredible relationship with him where he's still primarily focuses on making these beautiful printed graphic novels that he distributes largely through Kickstarter. Um, and then we take all that material and adapt it for our app. And so you kind of get the digital distribution side on Macroverse, the physical distribution side, you know, through him and his latest project, we've now teamed up to do together entirely so that we are taking the, you know, kind of hot off the drawing board pages bringing them out first on the app and then they'll ultimately get collected, you know, into a, a you know, physical book as well. So there's, you know, there's everything in between, but we definitely feel that, you know, the, especially when you experience the format that we've developed for the app, which is unique in the digital comics world, it's additive and different as opposed to just being like, Oh, it's just another place yeah. to read the same thing that I saw somewhere else. You know? Sure. Sure. So the other, the other question is, so I know there's macroverse.com, but I also show there's macroverse.world. So, I mean, should people go to both or do so like, if you're going to pick one, pick, yeah. you know, pick this one, I mean, wh we're, we're where, which way should we go? We're headed towards <laughs> everything being on macroverse.com, but I, okay. we found ourselves in this little bit of a middle ground right now where macroverse.com is the home of our platform. And as we're in these final stages of like the full platform release, um, you know, that's really where most of our energy is, is, you know, building and bug testing and test minting and all the things mm -hmm. that we have to do to make sure that's ready to, to launch. And so Macroverse.world has become um, kind of the thing that we're using as the on the fly, you know, communication, like we if we're running a promotion or, you know, we just need to throw up a page for a project that we're working on or a collaboration that we're doing, like we'll start to, you know, we'll put that stuff up on Macroverse.world for now as the, you know, the rest of the platform is being built out at the .com. And actually, I mean, speaking of it's, I mean, you know, right now we are, there's a, there's a free month of on the app up, uh, up and up, um, our page up on the uh, macroverse.world. So if it's macroverse.world slash free month, um, you'll find instructions for iOS and Android. Sorry. iOS is like, click this link and you'll get a free month subscription. Android is like, do these 28 different steps and you'll, you know, get a, get a subscription. <laughs> yes. It's very, very funny. But yeah, no, um, you know, we'll we'll be leaving that up for, for the next month or so. So anyone yeah. who wants to check out that and explore some more about 
what what yeah. we're up to there yeah and if game of thrones and hell sounds fun to you <laughs> then uh now's a good time because literally sunday the season finale of uh of darkland hits the app and so you yeah. can you know binge through the whole thing and and it's it's one of those things where i i would say you know we all we all can name some of our favorite tv shows where it's really like episode three where everything clicks and you're like oh man i am in <laughs> and Darkland is that as well. So like it's it's interesting and you got to kind of like figure out the world for the first couple of episodes. And then episode three is where you're like, oh, I see what this is. This is amazing. It's hilarious. I can't oh, yeah, believe you great. just did that. Um, <laughs> one of the episodes got banned by Webtoons, just FYI. So, you know, wow. whatever that's worth. If you like banned content, you got to go see it. You got to go see it on Macroverse. Um, you you know, when we say Game of Thrones, we said to the artist, you know, if they could do it on Game of Thrones, we can do it in on this uh, in this series and everything that that implies. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's uh, it, it goes a little crazy at times, but it's a lot of fun. So good time to binge with a free month and lots of other great content on there as well. Sounds great. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. Did you have any last minute shares or social media, other channels that you want us to make sure we mention? Yeah. I think really HQ everywhere. Macroverse HQ on all the socials, you know, definitely, you know, connect with us personally. We're very happy to talk to people. Um, You know, the discord is a great place. Again, I think we've been very lucky in that, you know, especially in the, the NFT web three space, we've got a very positive group of people that are very interested in creativity and creation and kind of engaging in this type of material and being fans and geeking out together. Um, so really delighted with the the people that have showed up in the discord and would love to invite everyone that likes this kind of stuff to uh, to come play and come engage and there'll be lots of opportunities to to participate however you want to really cool all right well thank you both for coming on the show again yeah our pleasure thank you both great. thanks for having us great our pleasure yeah yeah and uh listeners go check out macroverse we'll make sure to include the links uh in the show notes of course and once again this is a creative writing life podcast if you can leave reviews that's awesome spread word of mouth all that and i'm justin sloan you can find my novels on amazon and I'm Paul Zeidman. You can check out my screenwriting blog, Maximum Z at MaximumZ.blog. I've also got my Go Ahead and Ask series of books on Amazon. And I'm also on Twitter at Maximum underscore Z. Like he said, he's Justin. That's Adam. That's Evan. I'm Paul. This has been the Creative Writing Life Podcast. Thanks for listening. Stay safe, stay healthy, and most importantly, go write something. <laughs>